This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Such a privilege to be back in this beautiful, cold part of the world. <laughs> when you live in Durban, you, you get spoiled. Um, but it is, it is great. I, uh, you, you may think that you're in a bit of the backwater of of what's happening in the nation. But every time I come here, I sense that God is, there's an initiation spirit here. There's something that begins here. There's something that gives, is given life here. And I think you need to receive that as a region, as, an, as, a, as a city, you know, Poch, uh, Clarkstorp, and the regions around here. There's, there's some new life, some fresh things that God wants to stir up in this region that is going to impact the whole nation. And so re- receive that from the Lord. I, as we were worshiping, I was casting my mind back on a moment. I came home late one night. I was just finished my trick. And um, I had a little cottage in the garden. And it was a beautiful kind of summer's evening. And, and I went out in front of this little cottage of mine and, and lay on the grass and I'm looking up at the, at the stars. I'm just lying on my back. It was quite late, half past 11. You know, when you're young, you go to bed. <laughs> late, half past 11, I think, oh, jeez, I'm long in bed by then. <laughs> and, and at 18 years, I was lying there, and, and I felt the Lord clearly speak to me. He says, Peter, I want you to give your life in service of me. I'd given my life to the Lord many times. My dad led a local church. I gave my life to the Lord at every summer camp, you know, at five, six, seven, eight. I was always the first guy to stick up my hand. I think I was cued by my dad to get the thing moving. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian family, but I remember so distinctly the call of God upon my life that night, lying there on the grass, looking up at the stars, and the Spirit of God washing over me. And very, very soon after that, uh, three different people in the church where I was worshiping had a dream about me, including the pastor. And they all had the same dream. And the dream was that they would all make a contribution towards my income. Um, and they came to the pastor and told them, and all told him on the same day. And he was bowled over because the Lord had given him a dream the night before uh, that he needed to uh, take this young guy who had no education, no nothing. I hadn't even started anything in my life and put faith in this young guy and says, I, I want to bring you into ministry. I was 18 years old. I just enrolled for UNISA to study some subjects, and I carried on doing that for a number of years. And the call of God upon a life. I, I want you through this weekend... Would you, I, I know, know we can't lie on the grass outside right now, but you can take a moment in front of the fireplace or just sit for a moment and allow the Spirit of God to wash over you and you remind you of, of the call that He has upon your life. I, my life altered that day. Not, not a few days later when, when, I was, when I came into full-time ministry, which I've been in for the last 42 years of my life. That, that wasn't the altering part. The altering part was hearing God speak to me. He says, I'm calling you. I, I want every life to be altered. 
if you hear nothing else through this equipment, but the call of God upon your life, he says, I want to use you, sir. Some of you that are older and sister, you know, we, our best years are behind us. Think of Caleb. Think of an 85-year-old man that says, Give me, I'm as fresh today as I ever was. Give me my mountain. I'm not afraid of these giants. We're going to go take them. I want my place. Give me my hill. There's, some, there's a, a tenacity and a call that God wants to remind you of. And I know it's not part of what I'm talking about tonight, and I'm chewing up my time as I'm talking. But I, would you take a moment, would you allow God to speak to you, remind you? I've given my life to the idea of, uh, this is a leadership thing where we're talking about leadership and, and allowing our leadership edge to be sharpened uh, very definitely. And I, I, as I look around in people, I, I find a lot of people in this moment exhibit a lot of symptoms of anxiety and and tiredness, and a little bit of anger simmering below the surface. And, um, and, and, and I suppose in some ways it can, it can manifest in, in, you know, in eating too much or, or in maybe even drinking too much for some. And, and there are different things, symptoms that happens in people's lives when their lives begin to fray a little at the edges. Um, when we don't really thrive. I, I want tonight, if you hear nothing else that I say, in this leadership message, I want you to thrive. I want you to find life from God's Spirit. I want you to find life in His presence. Give yourself to that idea. Because there lies the key to everything. Not smart leadership tactics or even some of the things that I may share tonight as things that I think are things that God's just been impressing on me over the last 42 odd years about leadership. Um, if you don't thrive with him, if there's no real life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, everything I say tonight is absolutely wasted on you. Because it all starts there. It all starts with a, a softness, a heart. A, I'm more in love with Jesus today than I was as an 18-year-old lying on that grass. Because I just, I've just, I'm overwhelmed by what I've seen about him. How gracious he is towards me. How kind he's been towards me over the years. I'm just absolutely blown away. And every time he reveals something of himself, I realize, oh, I know so little. Oh, jeez, my goodness. I thought I knew everything as an 18-year-old lying there on the grass. I knew all theology. I knew how the world was going to end. I knew everything about eschatology and everything about the church. Only to realize at 60 that I, I still know so little. And our hearts need to be, we need to be stunned again. You see, worship does not begin with singing songs. It begins with understanding that you know so little. And then when you encounter him, you just go, oh, I'm overwhelmed all over again by his presence, by his life. Is that possible? That we can come as leaders to that place? It changes everything. I... I want to share a couple of thoughts with you over the years that have just been, and it's a moving target. There's nothing, you know, I think that's the deal about leadership, isn't it? God constantly teaches us. And, and what was true a year or two ago for me is maybe not true now. Things move, things change. And, um, and some of the key things for leadership that have been so critical in my life over the last little while, I want to share some of them. I'm not going to get anywhere near them. I, 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 all I remember is, is Dudley used to stand up and you know, go through you know, 45 points about something. Well, I don't have 45. 
Well, I have about 12 or 13, and if I get through five, I've done well. <laughs> but one of the things that have been such a critical lesson for me in the journey of ministry and leadership in the life of the local church is to understand that God has rhythms to my life. It's not always summer, and it's okay. You know, sometimes when we go into winter, when things are just not so great, when things are, feel like there's just no fruit on the trees and stuff's not working anymore, my prayer seems to hit the brass ceiling and nothing breaks through and I get all frustrated and angry and a little upset, I, 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 it's, it's because I don't understand that the, the rhythms of God, the way He wants to teach me is through the different seasons of my life. I learn very little in summer when everything works. When everything is fruitful and everything's going for me, I learn my next to nothing. But when things are going a little tough, when a couple of knives are sticking out of my back and I'm battling a little and stuff's not so easy, I learn my best lessons with God. And He is near to me and He's close to me. But if you keep fighting the seasons of your life, what ends up happening is that the, 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 the rhythm of your life gets interrupted all the time. And God can't teach you anything. Um, when I was a young man, before I was 25, um, the Lord said these words to me. He says, Peter, I'm going to give you 25 years to grow up. And then I'm going to give you 25 years to build something. And then I'm going to give you 25 years to give your life away. I'm 22, I think, at the time. I'm not married yet. I'm engaged. And Lord speaks these words to me. I'm hoping to live beyond 75. That would be nice. Uh, but he hasn't told me what's happening beyond 75. I presume I'm just going to keep giving my life away. I think whether the rhythm of your life is 25, 25, and 25, the point is everyone has to give themselves to growing up. You can't be a kid forever. You can't be throwing your toys out of the cot at 50 and being upset about the drums being loud. Bring earplugs, for goodness sake. Get over it. I don't like the preacher today. I'm not going to come. Melly's preaching. I don't like that. I want him. What? Grow up. You know, we can't be kids forever. And I think we have to teach our people that the seasons, the rhythms of their life, is that we get a moment, we get a season, actually, where we ought to grow up, and then we ought to be productive. We ought to build something. God gives us a season of our life when we get to build something, when we get to build the kingdom, we get to lead church, we get to build a ministry, we get to do something. And the great challenge for many, many people is they never stop building. They never stop building their business, they never stop building their life, and they come right to the final breath and they're still building. And they never get to this moment when they can really release anything, give anything away. And I've found that the rhythms of your life need to reflect. I'm not, we always grow up and we're always you know, building something and we're always giving our life away. I get that. But I think that there's a rhythm. And some of you are in seasons of your life when you ought to be giving stuff away and you're so busy building a life and money and a career and a thing that you're forgetting to give your life away. Please, please don't do that. You will land on your deathbed one day and, and your life in part would have been wasted because the strength of a life is not in what you build, it's in what you give away. 
It's what you give into others, what you believe, who's there. Leadership is not about how many people are following you. It's about where the people that are following you end up. Where are they going? What have you given to them? Where, where are they landing? You may be nothing. You, you, you may be, you may, the Lord spoke these words to me when I handed over the life of the local church that I led and, and handed off to Steve and Jackie Wimble and said, here's the church, go for it. I feel the Lord saying it's time to give it up, and I gave it to them. And the Lord said this to me, Peter, I want you to disappear into the foundations of the church. Disappear. I, I, I don't expect my name will ever, the, the most lights I'll ever get is this. And that's okay. Because I have to give the rest of my life to make the church great and make you everything that God's called you to be. That's my job. That's the apostolic call that we ought to have as mothers and fathers even sitting in this room. It's not about you anymore. Give your life away. Build into others. And a destiny and an inheritance will come. If you mismanage that and you spend your whole life growing up, what a waste that is. That we can have people still growing up at 70. It looks odd. I mean, I could have a pretty nasty example, you know, put a nappy on a 70-year-old. That's not pretty. You're not meant to mess up then. You're meant to be over those issues. And that's the challenge. We, we don't have an appropriate response to the seasons of God. I want to throw out at you the key to leadership and doing leadership effectively is respond rightly to the season you're in. In other words, what's God doing with you? Are you busy building? You're growing up? Is there something going on? And then the seasons of you know, autumn, spring, and winter, and the journey that God has with you, don't fight it all the time. Don't protest winter. Just learn the things you need to learn so you can move on into the next summer that God has. Understand the rhythm and the seasons of your life. Um, I'm skipping scriptures. I don't have time, but we could hang here a long time. The second thing that's just been such a key thing for me over the years is to monitor um, how I'm doing here. Uh, if, if I, am I, how, how's my soul health? How am I doing here? And, and I, I, was, I took a long trip down to Cape Town. I was driving some things down for my daughter. And a, a particular light on the dashboard, I, I don't know whether it was faulty or what was going on, it just kept, you know, there's a lot of electronics in these modern cars, and it just kept telling me something's going wrong somewhere. I don't know what it was. So I kept looking, I'd get the manual out and look, what is this light? You know? And, and uh, it was just a general fault. There's nothing worse than driving one and a half thousand kilometers with a general fault. You think, hey, I could be stuck any moment now. <laughs> and, and all it was, it was just a glitchy little something in the system. The great challenge with God's leaders is that we completely ignore the dashboard of our own lives. As if it doesn't exist. I have boundless energy. I have boundless gifts. I have boundless everything, so I spend away like there is no tomorrow. But there is a tomorrow. And when you keep spending at the level that you're spending, suddenly the lights start flashing at you at the dashboard. 
and you run out of energy, run out of, 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 of soul health, and things go desperately wrong. And we're living in a world where people are struggling with mental health, self-image issues, all sorts of stuff going wrong with people. And we have to help them. But first, we have to be attentive to our own dashboard. We've got to look. When you get a little bit grumpy, you know what you do? You know what it says? It means that the rhythm of your life, the energy of your life, is dipping down towards danger levels. And if you're getting grumpy more than usual, somebody, a friend of yours, will say, Hey, you're getting grumpy. What's going on? Your wife will probably tell you first. Sometimes you need someone else as well to say just to, you know, two or three witnesses. <laughs> hey, you know, you lead a local church, you're leading your home group, and you're just constantly grumpy with them. What's the matter with you? Now sort yourself out. You, you just short, grumpy. It's a sign. Lights are flashing on your dashboard. Things are not going well. Your connection with the Lord is not good. You're not finding life anymore, and you're thin. Things emotionally are thinning down for you. Don't let it happen. One of the things that makes great leaders survive for many years, for, for generations after generations, is that you're attentive to the things that flash on your dashboard. You can't just let them ride. Um, you know what happens when your energy gets low? Your relationships become mechanical. Do you notice that? When you're under pressure, even in your marriage, your relationship kind of goes into mechanical mode. Memory. It's what we do. Kiss, love, out. You know? It's like, where's the warmth? It's like a gearbox without oil in it. Every gear crunches when you change gears. Well, it's meant to have oil. But that's when you're missing intimacy, when you're missing connection. Friends, it's a flashing light on the dashboard. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is not about mechanical rhythm of reading the scriptures every day and praying every morning, and it feels like kissing out. And there's no intimacy in it. There's no connection in it. You're doing the rhythm. You're doing the thing because that's the thing you're meant to do. But there's no life in it anymore. I'm sitting over my Bible early in the morning as a young man, and, and, and most of my Bible pages were glued together by my own spit as I fell asleep on the pages. <laughs> because I'd wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning because that's when my dad woke me. And he wouldn't, let, he wouldn't stop calling me until I opened the door of my little cottage and said, I'm up. Then I'd walk over to the table, open my Bible, and begin to read. And before a couple of minutes were up, I was asleep on the pages. And I drool into the pages, and several parts of my Bible were permanently glued together. One morning, I'm, I wake up with a start, and the Lord says to me, is this working for you? So I said, no, not really. Um, and the Lord began a journey for a year with me, saying, I want to introduce you what a real relationship is like. Not what the mechanics of a relationship is like. What a real relationship is like. That you could listen to me. Hear my voice. To this day. To this day. 
I hear God speak to me. Don't you want to hear God speak to you? Tell you about stuff? Corinne and I are driving home. She sends her love, by the way. We're driving home from the North Coast, finished preaching up at one of the churches. And we're driving home, and there's a tent up on a hill. And we drive up to the tent. We think it's kind of a new development, so we drive in. Just interested. As I walk through the tent door, God speaks to me and says, buy a piece of land. Now, I didn't anticipate that. So now I'm thinking, okay, I, what am I going to tell her? You know, I mean, so, so it's not... So I walk up to Corinne and say, hey, love, what are you thinking? So she thinks, I think we need to buy a piece of land. Jeez, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because as I walked in here, the Lord said, buy a piece of land. Now, if I rewind the clock nine years, nine years before, we sold our house up in Hillcrest in the place where we lived, and the Lord said to us, give all the money away. All the money we had in the world, everything. And it was a lot of money. So give it all away. So we gave all the money away. It's not to be a hero. People have said to me, was that not difficult? It's a big sum of money. I said, it would have been more difficult to hold on to it. Because the Lord said, give it away. All you do is give it away. But now I've got a bit of an argument with the Lord. I walked through a tent. He says, buy a piece of land. I said, that would have been easy 10 years ago when I had money. I could no money now at all. Nothing. So I'm having this little thing. I want to show you that a relationship, a conversation with God is possible. You can walk with Him. Spend a whole year teaching me how to talk to Him. How to hear His voice. And as He talks to me, He says, I want you to buy the land. So I walk over to the map and I think, where's the cheapest piece? Because this is expensive land. So I find the cheapest piece. I don't even go look at it. I just say, I want that one. And I sign up, and all the money that we've saved in nine years, I pay down as a deposit. Only to think in my head, you know, I'm going to lose all that money if I don't come up with the rest. And I got one year. So I start a journey. I start looking at the banks. The banks don't like me much. Once you turn 60, banks don't like you anymore. They think you're not going to pay them back. <laughs> so they don't like me much anymore. And, and so, so now I'm, starting, I'm dancing around trying to make a plan. The first week after I signed that document, five people that owe me money all around the world, one of them in the UK, other people around the world, all start paying me back the money in the same week. I'd long given up that money. Some of it was 25 years old. And suddenly, out of the blue, I get an email. It's just, listen, I was just thinking, I owed you this money. I think it's time to pay. And they start paying me. Different people. Never, never mentioned a word to anyone. This money just starts coming into my account to pay for this land. Um, a company I own a little share in, never seen a dividend in forever. They pay me a dividend for the first time in forever. Um, a man has a dream about me in Holland. In the dream, I'm buying a piece of land. He doesn't know me. He just knows my face. And in the dream, the Lord says to him, help him buy the land. And he sends me 5,000 euros, 88,000 rand from Holland. After asking his pastor, who's that guy again that preached with us? I'd only preached there once. God cannot stop helping me. I come to the end of last year. Now... 
It's not over. Come to the end of last year, I'm 210,000 rand short. It's quite a chunk of money. And I'm starting to dance around thinking I need a you know, bridging loan or something. So I'm starting to talk to people. But the Lord says, just leave it with me. Hillcrest up the hill, they've got some things I've got to sign. They send a guy down. I'm sure you've heard my story. So here's the, I'm sitting in the long, I shouldn't give you the long version. And, and so I signed this paperwork. He says to me, you have an old mutual RA and you're over 55. You can have it tax free. So I said, no, no, I used to have one. But the guy that took out that, that, that RA stole all the money. I know because I visited him in jail. He was in our church. He didn't just steal our money. He didn't steal mine and, and my father-in-law's money. He stole money from old ladies all over the church and all over the community. He was CEO of a big, large investment company in town. And he says, no, that's true. Most of the money was stolen. But there was a little piece he couldn't touch. So he says, look, you, I don't know how much it is. I said, I said look, whatever it is, it'll be helpful. So I'll, he says, I'll, I'll organize it for you. One week later, exactly 210,000 rand arrive into my account. Don't you, don't you want to live in a space where God speaks to you? Don't you want to walk with Him? Don't you want to see the miraculous? Friends, it only happens in those spaces. I'm in Uganda. Look, I'm full of stories. I'm in Uganda, I'm busy preaching, 1,600 pastors in a tent, and it's hot as hell. It's hot, 45 degrees, a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, I need an example, I need a thing. So I need three broomsticks for my examples. I'm looking for broomsticks, can't find them anywhere. So we're on our way now, we've got people looking after us and driving, and there are a couple of Americans in the car, and I'm sitting in there, and I said, stop the car, I can see a market. So they said, no, no, you can't go in there. I said, hey, I'm from Africa, it doesn't matter, I go in there. How about the car? Jump into the market. As I'm walking into the market, I don't know, you know what I do. The Lord says to me, she's got them. That woman over there. So I walk over to the woman. And I say to her, um, excuse me, do you speak any English? She says, yes, I do. She says, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you have the thing I'm looking for. She breaks down. She literally drops down at my feet and says, this morning I asked the Lord to say, please won't you speak to me? She says, in my prayer. So there she is, kneeling on the ground. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't have time to pray with you. I don't have time to do anything with you. I need three broomsticks. <laughs> so, so up she goes into the back and she comes out with three broomsticks for me. These colorful things. And I grab them and I tape them together and I use them as my example. Normal life, friends, can become extraordinary. I, 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 can, I can stand here a long time talking to you about normal life. Don't you want to live with Jesus? Don't you want to be called by Him? Don't you want to hear His voice and listen to what He says? Don't you want, to, don't you want church to be an expression of gifts coming together and speaking to one another, psalms and hymns and the glory of God and the impressions of the Spirit? I think you can do this because God said this to me this morning. And, and I, Can you imagine the life that can be generated if we get that right? We have to monitor ourselves well and be full of life. And we can't go for the mechanical 
patterns that don't work. We've got to go for real life. Please, young men and women in this room, don't settle. I ask you, don't, don't settle for the lie that you get the moment you come to Jesus and they all tell you up front, don't forget, you must pray every day, you must read the scripture every day. And they slap, slap legalism on you the day you get saved. Don't do it. Settle only for life. The life of God, if there's life in it. And let me tell you, there's life in reading the scriptures. And there's life in prayer. Don't go for anything less. Nothing less. Uh, number three. I've only got to three. And I've got 11 minutes left. Don't, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, know right up front that you are not that good and you're not that important. I think sometimes when we make ourselves out to be the answer, we push Jesus into the background. I watched this happen in Africa a whole bunch. I, um, I've come into many churches where there are a couple of thrones up front. You know, it's for the pastor and his wife. And, and, and some thrones are pretty elaborate. Um, or it's for the pastor and the preacher. I've, I've also sat on a throne right in front of everybody. You know, and I'm in jeans and a shirt, and, and, and everybody else is dressed you know, in stuff and things. And I, and I feel completely inappropriate to even be there looking like this. But it's not about the external, and it's not about you. You cannot think it's about you. You cannot take yourself so seriously that think that, that, that actually, may I suggest, you need to laugh at yourself a little more. Life is serious enough. Most Christians I meet are so intense that their intensity is driving an agenda in their relationship with God that's hurting their relationship with God. It's like a thing. A couple, of, a couple of theologians, together with Dallas Willis, were sitting on a stage being interviewed about their theology. Dallas Willard was sitting on the end. And, and at, as a closing kind of statement for the theology conference, they were asked, give us your impression of Jesus in one word. So, Lord, Savior, King. Now, coming down the line. Dallas Willard at the end, relaxed. I like that a lot. Because I think there's such a relaxedness to how Jesus does ministry. It's no effort, it's not striving. And so often we get so tense about ourselves. We get so serious about ourselves that, that we completely lose the moments. I just don't want you to do that. I, I know that what we do is important, leading God's people and being responsible before heaven for people. That's what leaders are. And that's important stuff. But you really have to laugh at yourself a little. That God would trust you, me. I, I, I'm a weird guy. I, 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 I'm an introvert. 
You, you may not know that about me. I don't like talking to people much. Uh, so I like to be on my own, generally. So when I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm operating in, in a gift God's given me to talk to people. But when I'm on my own, you can leave me alone. It's fine. Um, so so that, that God would trust me, that always amazes me. I, I, I was such an arrogant young man. I think I've spoiled so many things in my life. I think I must have made every mistake that's possible to make. And now I can look back and I can say, ah, God's got a sense of humor using a guy like me. What about you? Don't think that it's impossible for God to use you. Don't think it's beyond the ability for God to, to break out his glory through your life. Oh, well, Pete, you don't, you don't know what's going on with me. I, I, I don't care what's going on with you. I don't care whether you're on your third marriage and a broken this and a broken that, and you've got all sorts of issues and things, and, you know, I'm here, and I kind of slipped in by default in a leadership conference, because if they knew, if they knew, he knows. And he still wants to use you. Ah. I find it amazing. I find it stunning. God really does have a sense of humor, and I really should not take myself too seriously. Because that seriousness, that intensity, will stop me fulfilling the purposes of God in my life. Number four, I have to, I have to live with eyes to see. One of the lessons in my leadership journey is eyes that see things. I said, Lord, I, I never want to be blind. I want to walk in and I want to see stuff that's going on. I want, to, I want to get a sense of what the Holy Spirit is doing in a place. Don't, don't leave me blind. Um, uh, so many people, they, they only see the struggle, the battle. And, and they have the necessary theology to prove their position. So they, they have a theology that says, Look, at the end of the day, the world is in such a turmoil that I'm just happy to be out of here one day. Jesus, please come back. Jesus, return. I'm out of here. Ah, you may be right. I'm ready to go tomorrow. I'm ready to go this evening. If he comes, I'm, I'm ready. Um, but, but I don't think he's coming tonight. And I don't think he's coming tomorrow. And I don't think he's coming this year. In fact, the Bible is quite clear that I'll never know when he's coming. And guessing is probably not a good idea. Um, so Jesus is not returning. And I don't think he's returning in my lifetime. I can't live with an escapist mentality all the time. Thinking I'm going to get out of here. Stuff is going to get so bad. I'm going to go. I'm gone. No, friends. I have to live with eyes that see something else. That's the thing for leaders. They see something else. They, they, you know, Jacob in, in Genesis 28, 12, it talks about he's, he's, he's got a dream, and in the dream, angels are ascending and descending into heaven on this ladder, and he's got his head on a stone on a rock, and he's asleep. You have to see every moment in your leadership as a potential stairway to heaven, a connection between you and heaven. You're earthing heaven. I stand here right in front of you, I'm an earthing spot. 
for heaven. That's you too. In other words, like lightning strikes the earth on some pole you stick up in the air. Bang! Lightning goes. There it was. You're an earthing spot for heaven. Heaven comes. And I have to see heaven. I have to see life. I have to look at people. I have to look at the culture, the country, the process, the things around us. Instead, what we do, we look at things so naturally. Don't do that. Lift your eyes. See the Lord. You know, I I said this to a bunch of people the other day. We have load shedding, right? And I know some of you are rather irritated. You're sitting in the middle of your show and there goes the TV. You go, oh, curse that government. Don't do it. Because I drive into the backside of townships in Durban where a million people are living. And there are streetlights. And there are shacks with electricity cables going into it. And little meters. And they can cook water and boil water for tea for the first time in their life. And millions upon millions of people enjoy that privilege now in our nation. Millions. Whereas before it was just reserved for some privileged people. Now I know our government could have planned a bit better for electrification for three to four million people. But I'm so happy that I can give up electricity for a couple of hours. So the people sitting in the backside of the townships can boil some water for the first time in their life. What do you see? Because if you don't see with godly eyes, if you don't see the world with His eyes, with the potential of heaven, with the call upon people, you will never truly call people into leadership. Nothing will ever happen. You'll always complain that you never have enough leaders. It's not really working. And I'm always looking. Nobody can lead this life group of mine. Nobody's ever coming through. You're not seeing anything. You're blind to the incredible potential of God sitting right in front of you. We live in a nation. I, I, I travel all over the world, as has been mentioned. And I come back into this one. I've sung three national anthems with the gusto of a local. I'm Danish. I speak Danish. I sing the Danish national anthem. I have been Zambian. I've sung the Zambian national anthem. Stand and sing for Zambia, proud and free. I know it. Right? And I'm South African. And I've lived here for most of my life. The big chunk of my ministry life in this country. And I think to myself... There's no better place to live than this place where God plants you, where he places you. This, I come back into this country, I I feel the life of God pulsing out of its townships, out of its people. I find a, a joy here, a life here, a potential here that I don't see anywhere else in the world. And I'm thinking, what do you see? What do you see? Struggle, battle, potholes, issues, things. What do you see? Because if you don't change your mind and become a leader in your society for God's people to drive an agenda in our nation that produces the, and believes the best in people, brings out the glory of God in its people, revival sweeping through our nation. It, it, that's what we need to see. And if we don't see it, if we don't have eyes, all we ever do is complain. I'm asking you, leaders, could you have an encounter with God? Bang, tonight. Encounter. 
Stop othering and them and they are doing it. They are. You know, Julius Malem on his beautiful platform rising to the heavens. <laughs> it's him, it's him. <laughs> it's not him. There's a kingdom of God project underway in this nation. And I'm so privileged that I can be part of it and give my life to serving the king and his purpose right here in this nation. My time is, is up and I've hardly gotten anywhere. I can say one more thing. Um, last thing. Number five. I said five. I'd get to five. Personal connection with Jesus. I started there, I'll end there. Personal connection matters. There's no shortcut for walking in the garden. There's no shortcut for hanging out with Jesus and having your life transformed. There's no shortcut for a place where you can ask all your questions. I don't get answers from him all the time. He says, Pete, stop all your questions. And just listen to me. But I have a place where I can ask absolutely anything. And it's in his presence. It's sitting with him having a cup of coffee in my hand, I get all the way back into the garden again. I get to walk with God again. I get to listen to His voice. Personal connection with Jesus matters to your leadership. Do not short-sell your journey with some other thing, some other process, some other thing that happens to you. Knowledge. We fill our minds with knowledge. Saying, I need to know God. All your knowledge won't help you but a relationship with the living God, a walk with Him in the garden every day, a journey with Him through your life. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only place miracles happen. Jesus' mother, India, says to a bunch of servants earning extra cash at a wedding, probably. Because that's what they're there for, serve other people. Do whatever he says. When he comes and tells you stuff, just do it. I want to say the trick or the key to leadership is not having all the knowledge in the world. It's not being educated on all the theology and all the stuff that you think is needed to lead. It's not even being a great preacher. It's not even being charismatic. Do whatever he says. Walk in the garden with him. Hear what he says. And do that. And watch what God does. Watch what God can do with your life. A young man lying on the ground looking at the stars. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Peter, I'm calling you. Would you give your life to me, to the service of me? Stand up for one moment. Do you mind if I pray? Can I pray? Stand up for one moment with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Where we have shortchanged the process, where we've gotten into mechanics that lack intimacy and connection, where we have allowed our leadership to run on pattern and process and not power and anointing. 
I pray today that we would have our moment on our back again, have our moment under the stars again, and that we would hear the voice of heaven echo over us. You, you, sir, you, ma'am, you are my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm calling you to give your life to serve my purpose, to see with my eyes, to live with my heart, to give with my generosity, to live in the kindness of my grace in this world. I pray that every leader in this room, whether or not they've heard anything I've said tonight, would determine one thing. God, I need to hear your voice. Father, I need you to speak to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.